All right, 407 is the first pitch tomorrow. Game one of the best of three. American League Wild Card Series at the Rogers Center between the Jays and the Seattle Mariners. 407 Saturday as well. 207 Sunday if necessary. And again, a reminder that uh, Sportsnet, well, Buck Martinez, Pat Tabler, Hazel May on location. They'll be bringing you the game. Sportsnet Radio, Ben Wagner, Ben Nicholson-Smith will be in the air for games one and three. Arden Zwelling will be in the booth alongside Ben for game two. Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk for an hour and a half following each game. You're just looking at me like, that might require some drinking. Of what? Just water, only water. Red Bull. Only water. Uh, this segment of Blair and Barker is brought to you by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game's still being played. 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. So the Jays and Mariners will hold a workout today at the Rogers Center. We should get, might get, hopefully will get, some clearance on the Jays' roster composition from John Schneider today. Uh, decisions still need to be made on Santiago Espinal and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., decisions in their health, and, of course, there would be a trickle-down effect from that as to who does or doesn't make the roster right now. Mr. Barker and myself have the same roster. We have Gabriel Moreno on it, Bradley Zimmer on it, and then one of the healthy guys, Espinal or Gurriel, on the roster, and that, that gives us our... That gives us our 26. But again, we might get a better idea of that today. This much we do know. We know that the pitching matchup for game one is going to be something else, as it should be for an American League, for any playoff series. Luis Castillo will be on the mound for the Mariners. Alec Manoa for the Blue Jays. Dave Sims is a Seattle Mariners play-by-play voice. One of our favorites. He is a legend in the industry, and we're very pleased that Dave Sims joins us today. Mr. Sims, thank you so much for joining Kevin and myself. I trust that you're keeping well and and you're doing well. And look, when Luis Castillo was acquired, it was a guy we were sitting in this show and saying it was the most significant acquisition of the trade deadline. It It was a little bit of Captain Obvious there, but I just thought there was so much separation between him and every other pitcher in the market that he was the guy you wanted to get. Has has he surprised you at all? Have you seen anything from Luis Castillo that is even better than you may have originally anticipated you were getting from him? Well, morning, fellas. A little bit jet-lagged here, but uh, absolutely, I wouldn't say any surprises because everything I'd heard about him, a little bit I'd seen about him, and then when you see him in action, just the just first of all, he just walks out of the mound and as he's warming up, and I'm thinking, this is a dude right here. I mean, he's got presence. And his stuff speaks for itself. And the numbers that he put up, and I think we got him about, oh, about a week, 10 days after he had just totally shoved it on the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And then he was pitching for us at Yankee Stadium. And uh, he, I think he got a no decision that game, but he, he just shut him down. And it's been like that, with the exception of the two games he had against the uh, Oakland Athletics, if you can believe it. Again, that's baseball, and these things happen. I mean, they they got to him a couple times, but he got him back uh, this last homestand. So, but he he he's a stud. He he's he is definitely your A number one horse, no question about it. Dave, at four o'clock tomorrow, is there one thing that you will be watching for to say if that's happening, we're going to win this series? 
Uh, I think uh, the Mariners going to have to do a really good job uh, on secondary pitches. It's a good fastball hitting team, and second, if guys can control, you know, their secondary and third level uh, pitches, that can that sometimes has been a problem. But again, ninety win season. Um, uh, I've looked. The expectations came in a little bit high, given the finish from last year. And I tell you, if you, you know, a lot of people had these guys counted out at 29 and 39, and they go like 61 and 33 the rest of the way. So pretty doggone good. What uh, explains the turnaround from your point of view? Well, I, I, the pitching and defense, defense and pitching. I mean, the starters were consistent. I don't think there was very few of any significant injuries where guys had to miss time. The bullpen came together, you know, flighty bullpens can be from one year to another. And those guys coalesced, and uh, we had a, a kid named Penn Murphy, who's a slider, slider pitcher, and he's got, I always say, 57 varieties of slider. <laughs> and he gets people out, and he was unheralded, wasn't expected to make the club. Uh, you know, it was, just, yeah, it was just, a, you know, just a guy. Next thing you know, I was like, whoa. And they had him in low leverage, you know, like, or no leverage situations. And then, you know, he started earning trust, and Scott Service started using him. And then, uh, and then Seawald at the back end has been really good. Uh, I mean, I could go through the whole the whole group. And Munoz, oh, my goodness, Munoz is throwing 100, 304 uh, with a 91, 92 slider. It's just ridiculous. So Matt Brash, who's uh, you know, a Canadian kid, uh, you know, he's throwing 98 to 100. Same thing, 91, 92, vicious slider. So uh, we got some weapons. And then uh, since August 1, the Mariners have hit more home runs than anybody in the American League. I think second or third in all of baseball. And uh, that's been a big boon. And as you guys know, playoff baseball, baby, it's about it's about home runs, two run, three run dingers. Because you're not going to be, you know, pitching is going to get everybody's number one, two, and three. And it's not like you're going to go out there and string the other five, six, seven, hit, you know, base hits. You know, how big is Ty France for that lineup? <laughs> Plate coverage supreme, my man. Mm. Um, if you saw the highlight of yesterday's game, came up, I think the bases were loaded, mm-hmm. got a pitch away from him, shot it right inside the uh, first base bag. And, you know, at, at the thing I'll, that you love about him, you know, so many guys are just, you know, they got to go pull side. That's all there is, pull side. Well, mm-hmm. screw that. I mean, you pitch him away, he can hit it hard the other way. Pitch him up, you know, pitch him down the middle, goes middle. He can yank it. He's a you know, one healthy man. He's, uh, he's a really good hitter. He's uh, terrific in that two spot. Julio Rodriguez, obviously one of the stories of the year, uh, having a rookie year unlike any we've seen. You know, I, I guess if you're going to come off the IL late in the year, going three for three and then hitting a home run in a, your first couple of games back, that's a pretty good indication that you're healthy. But I, I, I'm wondering, Dave, these these three games are going to be on turf. There is going to be no day off for him. He has, you know, been a long flight. Um, any concern at all about Julio Rodriguez's? health going into this going into this series from your point of view he's got he's got something in common uh, that you and i uh, have he has something that we don't have that we have he's freaking 21 (laughs) (laughs) i know (laughs) come on give me a break (laughs) it's not like you and i going out there after you know i'm gonna recover from jet lag and be ready to go he's gonna be playing baseball at a high level and energy like you, you know that that you've seen from some of the greatest players ever. Twenty-one years old, uh, he's uh, he knows the strike zone. His swing is on plane. The second pitch yesterday, he went double D, went up the tank at our place. Uh, I'm really, I think that 
they put him through enough tests to know uh, to be, I, I won't say guaranteed, but really assured that he's going to be smart and he's going to be fine. He is, he's the engine. He is unbelievable in terms of personality, uh, his humanity. I mean, he's uh, his esprit de corps, loves the game, loves people. I mean, you know, I don't, none of us go around saying that about a lot of people, uh, but you say that about him. Right. Dave, Dave, is there an under-the-radar name in that lineup that nobody talks about that we should? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, we we sort of had him underrated, and he had 27 home runs, Cal Raleigh. I think mm-hmm. the rest of the baseball world is really watching what he's done. I mean, you saw him win the, you know, put us into the playoffs last Friday. Um J.P. Crawford plays a really good shortstop. Um, you know, Hanniger is is coming back. You know, he missed a lot of time with COVID. And, uh, was it high ankle sprain? Uh, somebody look. You know, I think a guy that, and I think he's going to be in left field. Uh, Jared Kelnick, a highly regarded guy. We got you know in the uh, trade with the Mets, and he had a good September last year, and he's having uh, just a tick off this. Uh, September, October from last year, but I think he has a chance. He gets his mind straight, which I think he will. I think he has a chance to be, you know, he could be an X factor because I think you know what you're going to get with Julio, with Ty, and Mitch and uh, Cal swinging the bat. I, I think I think Kelman could be a guy. If he, I tell you what, if he performs, you know, up to you know close to his capabilities, man, that's going to be a big difference maker offensively for us. I don't know if you you've had a chance to talk to Robbie Ray about this this game possibly getting a start at at the uh, at the Rogers Center against his former team in the playoffs. Um, you know, a guy who obviously, I mean, I, it's it's weird, right? Because it's it's almost like Robbie Ray's Jay's career didn't happen just because there weren't a lot of fans at the game, and you know, part of it took took place during right. COVID. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to him about coming back here, just his thoughts on it, what he expects. No, no not, not really. Here's the one thing I'm, I was, uh, I'm pleased is that the restrictions that your wonderful country, uh, you know, re, you know, sh- shut down a couple of weeks ago because I went as, as Mariners really started to make a turn for uh, playoff viability. Uh, I was thinking, geez, it'd be just our luck yeah. that, you know, there's still restrictions in this country and we have to play you guys, and he couldn't freaking come in here. And that, that had me totally, you know, I was really, uh, you know, had a lot of anxiety on it. And then when, you know, when your country lifted, lifted the, you know, the restrictions a couple of weeks ago, I felt a heck of a lot better. I didn't I didn't get into it with him. Mm-hmm. I just know that he's going to be, obviously, he's going to be fired up beyond words. And he had his, his let's see, I think his last start was, was just, yeah, it was just meh against uh, Oakland. I think it was last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, was okay, but the two or three before that, he was on point. So, you know, motivational-wise, I don't think you have to say anything to him. And I've heard nothing but great things uh, about him in terms of leadership-wise with the pitching staff and the team as a whole, and, you know, as a voice of experience. So I, he's gonna, he'll take care of business. Dave, you think Scott Service is ready for this? Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Why would you say that? No, I just, I just, because, you know, you haven't really been here before and, and handling certain parts of the bullpen and just making the right move at the right time. I just want you know him better than we do. I'd like to well, get your thoughts on him. Well, bullpen, bullpen, that's the least he worries. He handles, he and Pete Woodward handle bullpen. 
I mean, it's been tremendous these two uh, this two seasons. It's been outstanding. And you know, he's you know former player. He's he, we're talking to him yesterday. I said I didn't ask him. Somebody asked him about what are you most looking forward to. He says, "Hey man, competition." Uh, not worried about having to protect anybody. Let's go beat the other guy. Let's do this. And uh, you love that straightforward attitude. He has a team, you know, hey, be who you are. Uh, be a good teammate. Uh, and, you know, if, if, you're, <laughs> if you have a personality, let it shine, which Eugenio Suarez has done. He's been fantastic in that regard. Uh, no, I don't, I'm not worried about him uh, handling the big stage. I really, I, 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 don't, I don't see that as a problem at all. Dave, I, I, you know, and I do understand where your kind of weird question is mm-hmm. coming from, but I don't think that's a fact. Okay. Dave, I appreciate your time, yeah. man. Thanks for this. Great we'll see stuff. you down at the ballpark. Be well. Have fun. Absolutely. Look forward to it, fellas. Be well. Take right. care. Take care. Dave Sims, Seattle Mariners play-by-play TV voice. Had a chance to talk to Dave. For, I talked to Dave a couple of times, but the last time the Mariners were in town, it's the first time I've really had a lengthy discussion with him. And he's done everything. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he Westwood won in addition to the Mariners, NFL. I mean, NFL fans will recognize that voice. He's done a ton, a ton of stuff. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a good man. You can tell he's a, they're a little jet lag. That flight in is from the West Coast can be, you know, that can be a little. Yeah, the, the flight in from the West Coast it could be a little be a little testing. I know you're going over oh, the first class charter, blah blah blah. And all. It's still it's it can be a bit of a haul. So at least obviously they're not concerned about Julio Rodriguez. Would you have any concern about back injury, artificial turf? There's, there's always concern. I mean, you gotta you gotta have good relationship with your player. Ask, you know, do you do you need to DH? If it goes three games, we play you two in the outf- outfield. You play you DH one of the days. It's it's funny the the Scott Service question because I had to ask because you've heard the the last week or two of the season the meetings and the, it's odd that time of the year to have meetings with the team. It's just good. You know, it's asked, odd. It's odd. Yeah, it's that's the only reason I, I asked, asked somebody. I asked somebody about this uh, during the last homestand because you know the, the Jays have had meetings. And John, you know, John, they had meetings when guys were going to the All-Star. Like the show and go thing that he said, but he actually told everybody in the media. Why would you tell that? Well, that's that doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's the only reason I asked that question is yeah. it's a, it's an interesting and obviously Scott knows his team way better than we know it. Sometimes I it's think just, it's funny how you have the conversation out loud. Sometimes well, I think that we get and look, I. Covered the beat for a long time. Nothing, nothing got your antenna up as a reporter more than hearing there was a meeting. You had to go. That's where you yeah. knew. That's where you knew who your sources were in the Especially team. Especially late in season. You know, you'd know who your yeah, sources right. were. You'd go and ask. You know, well, David Segui was a guy for me with the Expos. I don't think you'd mind me saying it. Like, you know, what was it about? He go. Pfft. A couple of guys showed up late. It was just kind of, you know, sure. You know, get your act together, type of thing. So that's good. Uh, Sometimes I think we make a big deal uh, about meetings. You know, what is a meeting? Sometimes if the manager pulls us, walks into the middle of the room and says, hell of an effort today, boys. 
Tough game tomorrow. Is that, that a meeting? That, that 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 never happens in the big leagues. Yeah, that, that never. No no, man, no manager's going to walk in and go wait a give it an old college try. Okay, no manager so a meeting does that. is a meeting is the guys. The only time you ever need... have a meeting if something's wrong. That's the only mm-hmm. time. No, I've never been on a team. Maybe it's changed in 2022 where you think you have to go in and tell everybody way to go, get them tomorrow. I I think they already know that it's an individual thing, right? I just it's it's a it's an interesting conversation to have, you know, when you're having team meetings and you're telling people out loud that you're showing and going the next day and you don't need to tell us. That's that's all. Maybe. Seems he seems like a good man. When you listen to him talk, he seems like he knows his team, which matters the most. He's got a really good bullpen, which there's no brainers. We mentioned three of the guys. Dave even mentioned that. The three guys, you know, the the ninth, the eighth, the seventh, that's taken care of. It's those middle innings. They have he's got a good feel for his team. He's got good starters. He's got a decent lineup. He's athletic. They've got I mean, a guy. Sorry to kind of stay out of it is yeah. the whole theme, right? I, the the guy that uh that, that Dave mentioned, I think he's gonna be huge in this series is Andres Munoz. Not just because he's throwing 103. Uh, this is a guy, Kevin. This guy added. Yeah. It, it, I, was, I was looking at well, his numbers. This guy has gone from throwing a slider 30% of the time to 65% of the time. Yeah, that's he's true. added six miles an hour to his slider. Now, he's a young guy, so that's not. But I, his numbers are astonishing. They're crazy. That's where and the right-handed know, dominant lineups come in. Well, and I was going to say, you know. You know that he's getting. There may not be a pitcher, a reliever on either team that pitches in as many leverage spots as that dude does in this series. Because you know he's Bo and Vladdy. He, he's he's coming up against. You're going to get him against the meteor lineup. If they're going to find that three batter pocket, less. they like they like using. I mean, you throw 103. Is there a pocket? <laughs> Your pocket is anybody that's standing in the batter's box. It's a 96. Think. I was looking at his numbers. 96 strikeouts, 15 walks. There's some outrageous. Uh, this is uh, some outrageous number here as well about his. Uh, uh, you know, number of earned, I think he's given up earned runs in three games all year. So I mean, it's just, just silly. Yeah. It's silly. Good. He pitched last the fourth. So he'll be well rested to go if they need all three games. Yeah. Trying to look here to see if he's, he's done three games in a row, which doesn't look like he has. He doesn't, been, ha- he hasn't had that. It's, it's been two in a row and then a day off two in a row. Like most guys that throw a hundred and however hard he throws. I, the other thing I noticed with him, I don't think he's pitched a lot of multiple inning multiple inning games so they they do they've got a deep well here give me read the bullpen seawald in, in a third seawald munoz right there seawald munoz eric swanson matt brash diego castillo matthew boyd penn murphy first five guys throw i, I haven't i don't know that much about eric swanson but four of those five guys can are are, are just dominant dominant pitchers it's, it's gonna be interesting <laughs> to see how and Dave mentioned it, how you have the bloop and the bomb. I just I just don't see how you're going to string. Again, it's real simple to game plan against the Blue Jays. Make them, force them to string together hit after hit after hit to right field. Have you seen them do that all year? Nope. There's And there's only, you could count them on, there's, there's, how many how many guys can, can go bridge to right center, even to right field right, as a right-handed hitter? Name him. Vladdy, eh, occasionally. Teo. Teo, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Spr- Springer, maybe. 
I mean, that's more center yeah. than right center. I'm talking if no, you're forcing that, them with hard stuff, because you just named off a bunch of dudes who throw hard, who are right-handed, other than Boyd, that have a slider. And if I'm one of those guys, if you're going to miss, miss off the plate away. Force them to right field. If there is a little bugaboo with the Blue Jays, it is in this series because the, the Mariners can locate with power. Can they string together, stay within themselves, let the ball travel, and just take a single to right? Do you think that's possible, Jeff? And and sort hmm. of pass the baton that way. I haven't seen these guys in a legit playoff series. I don't know. We haven't I, seen the Mariners in a legit series. The, that's my is, point. Is, but, but this is the other thing that makes it that, that really intrigues me about this is you've got Teams with guys who, for the most part, don't. There's not a huge playoff pedigree. There. George I'm, Springer, Jackie Bradley sure. Jr. Have. We talked about this before. Does it matter, or is it about a talent? Does it matter? Like I, I just like 21 year old now, Rodriguez. Yeah. You, you say 21. Hey, matter anymore? It's just a, it's just a number. It mattered when I played. Oh, how dare you get caught up at 21? I, I it, think, does it matter now? I think though it's funny because I used to I used to think that you know the youth experience really mattered in the World Series. But I had, uh, I, I've had a couple of people tell me, well, okay, think about that for a minute. To get to the World Series, you will have won at least two series. So by that point, your youth should have had a playoff experience, right? Because you've won two series. So yeah. it's, no, but it's not like you go from the regular season right into the World Series. The playoffs are kind of a gradual build for it. So I think maybe experience, oddly enough, is less of a factor in the World Series than it is in the early rounds. That's why you sprinkle in guys who have been there before, like Santana, like Suarez. Yeah. You know, guys that have guys can that have... mix with the young guys, but that heartbeat, slow that thing down. Listen, I still think that's why adding, adding a guy, Springer, adding a guy yeah. like Jackie Bradley Jr. Jackie Bradley Jr.'s won an ALCS MVP award. Yep. Now, granted, he only had three hits in the series, three hits and nine RBI, which is like the piece I wrote on him. He was... Pretty good series to have. Alex Cora said, oh, I remember that postseason. He had four good swings. One was a grand slam. Two were home runs. And the other was a bases loaded double. He said. And he'll take it. Cora's line was, it's not what you do. It's when you do it in the postseason. Absolutely. And that's kind of what you're you're thinking about with guys like Jackie Bradley Jr. It and, is. And, and George Springer. Look, this is why they got. We've, we've said this long. This is why they got George Springer. They got George Springer for tomorrow's game. That's why he's getting paid all the money. It's going to be a good series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I do too. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of young players in this place. It's going to be a lot of athletes. Seattle's, you know, I think the Jays are going to, I'm, I'm, I think they're going to sweep just because I want to be that guy that says they sweep so that if they do sweep, I can say, I told you so. But seriously, but man, that least, Mariners bullpen scares me. They're, they're starters. Uh, bullpen scares me more than a starter. Logan Gilbert is your third starter. That's a bazillion with a breaking ball, a slider, and a changeup. Yeah. A bazillion. And oh, by the way, he's right-handed and he's nine feet tall. Like, Stay hot. Yeah. Ain't going to be easy. Ron Darling is the MLB or one of the MLB analysts on TBS Sports. He is a former major leaguer. And also the New York Mets analyst. So we've got a lot. We've got a lot that we can talk to Ron Darling about. He'll join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360. 
and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Blair and Barker. How was your nap? It was good. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, God. I fall asleep that quick. Uh, I could sleep at the drop of a hat. It's like, it's, it's pretty easy. It's my pretty w- easy my wife pushes that heated seat button. Huh? She could, that heated seat button, you know, that heats the seats in the car? And oh, she, okay. She could be, she could be mid-sentence. <laughs> tremendous yeah the uh, heated seat was really was one, it was one of the great great works great inventions of that. our time i don't like it but why not eh, there's a reason there's obvious reasons you sweat and not you could always turn it off it's it's like eh. what are you gonna do okay 407 will be the first pitch tomorrow game one of the American League Wild Card Series between the Seattle Mariners and the Blue Jays, Alec Manoa, Luis Castillo. Um, no question, I don't think, is there? I mean, I'm gonna, there's, there's no question. The Mariners have already sort of hinted, indicated Robbie Ray gets a start in the second game. They're not going to play any games at their rotation. Yeah, they're right? sort of like Logan the Jays and go. you. Uh, well, they are. They're the same way. If they win the first game, then they'd want Robbie to start one and five. Right. So they'll do the same kind of thing the Jays will do. It sounds like he's pitching one and two. On the road, you would think you would go with your yeah. best two. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. Makes a certain amount of point. A certain amount of sense. Well, as we said, we, uh, we've got a bunch of questions we need settling before the Blue Jays go into the postseason. Roster questions. Who is going to pitch the second and third game of the first of, of the wild card round? And I don't know. We may not necessarily know that until after the results are known from the uh, first game. And I've also got to think that just because we don't know about it or just because we're not being told it doesn't necessarily mean that the individuals involved haven't been told and have been said, keep it to yourself. Don't tell anybody. But I just wonder because, you know, pitchers are creatures of habit. And I wonder how important routine is to a pitcher when you get into the postseason. Ron Darling, uh, the MLB on TBS and uh, Mets analyst for SNY joins us. Ron, thanks so much for joining Kevin Barker and myself today. Really appreciate your time. Uh, trust that you're doing well. And I mean, I'll just ask you, once the postseason rolls around, extra day, pitching on short rest, you know, we've seen Nate Uvalde come out of the bullpen after starting, all that stuff. Does that matter to pitchers at this time of the year? You know, guys, I think it does matter during the course of 162, but I think it's a given for any pitcher that once you get to the postseason, you're going to have to keep loose, and uh, you never know what's going to happen. Um, in 1986, I started three uh, World Series games in 10 days. I never thought that was going to happen, but it just was part of the equation that year. Um, so I think all the pitchers know going in that other than the guys starting on the first couple of days maybe – 
after that, you just stay loose and make sure that, you know, you, you don't throw too much, keep your arm, you know, healthy, but not overworked. Yeah. I was uh, three and 10 days that, I mean, that's, that, that's remarkable. What did, what did you feel like after that, that third outing? Well, you're just so invigorated, you know, the adrenaline alone uh, gets you through a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, um, I, I felt fine physically. Um, I felt, though, like I needed about a four-day nap after it all happened. But uh, as, as far as the physical part about it, you know, when you get to that point, these guys are just in such prime condition um, that I think all the work that you've done over the course of the last six months uh, will cover you as you try to get through uh, this grueling gauntlet uh, of one month. Ron, with Alec Manoa, is there one thing that you'll be looking for? Would it be velocity? Would it be break? Just for a kid to get through the first couple of innings, and now he can be Alec Manoa for the rest of the start? Yeah, that, that's a, a great question. You know, he's such a, uh, a fully evolved kind of young pitcher. You know, a lot of times with a guy his age, you're looking for velocity only. If he doesn't have that, then it's going to be hard for him to be successful. But certainly Alec is not that kind of pitcher. Um, uh, fully evolved, knows what he's doing, knows how to get hitters out. If I, if I had to say one thing, landing his breaking ball early, I think would be something uh, that would be important to me uh, because if he's doing that, that's going to give him a lot of confidence to uh, to throw that fastball and throw it for strikes. Um, I saw an interesting stat since you mentioned I, I see a lot of the Mets games. Mm-hmm. Jacob DeGrom in his first 50 starts had an ERA of 2.66. Alec Manoa in his first 50 starts at the Toronto Blue Jays, the same ERA. Wow. So maybe that bodes well for the future of uh, Mr. Manoa. Is heart rate a thing this time of the year for players? Yeah, I, I think it's a thing. Um, I think that also um, – Having people around you that have done it before is important in having that conversation. Um, there's one thing I wish I had heard earlier in my career that I, I've honestly not known except for the last maybe five-plus years. And I remember I was listening to a, a, a tennis match, or they were interviewing Billie Jean King, and she said this very simple phrase, pressure is a privilege. And, boy, when I heard that, I, I was so angry because I wish I had my 20-year-old self had heard that, and, uh, and, and it is. It's one of those moments in your life that you've wished for, hoped for, dreamed about uh, as a young person, and now it's here. It's in, it's in front of you, but it's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to feel embarrassed about if you don't uh, do what you want to do. It's, it's an opportunity uh, to show your medal uh, against the best uh, because a lot of times you know, you'll say, God, that guy wasn't on. He didn't have his stuff. Well, you know, the other team's trying real hard, too. So sometimes it doesn't mm. always work out. Now, you, you had the, uh, the, the great pleasure of pitching a lot of games at Shea Stadium. And, and, and I'm asking you this because, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about the Rogers Center being a home field advantage for the Jays because of the noise, especially when the roof is closed. And I tell people, I've covered, I've covered a ton of playoff games. The two noisiest places I've been, I've covered a football <laughs> game in the Kingdom, which was just amazing but ron you know where i'm going with shea stadium the jets everything that's you know you stand on the field and it's like the stadium just keeps going forever and then you've got the planes flying over and the crowd and it's new york and it's crazy this home field advantage is there such a thing 
Oh, 100%. I think, you know, Shea Stadium and other stadiums have this gladiator effect when you're standing in the middle of it. I think for the Rogers Center, it's it's a different experience, um, but just as intense or maybe more intense. Um, you know, I'm an American. I have found myself when I've done games in the Rogers Center and they sing the Canadian National Anthem, you start to get really emotional. I, you know, I don't even know why you just um maybe it's the two anthems maybe it's the intensity of the crowd because you know the american national anthem star spangled banner is so hard to sing so no one really sings it and the canadian national anthem is is more forgiving for those of us who don't have great singing voices so um you know to hear the crowd sing that national anthem the passion with which the person who's singing the anthem has it and the and the doubles um anthem for whatever reason just uh, you know they usually have of course the maple leaf the canadian flag and the outfield all of that lends itself to you know pinch yourself and say oh oh geez okay this is serious and i played in the rogers center when it wasn't the rogers center Mm -hmm. in 1992 game six where the blue jays beat the oakland a's i was uh, slated to pitch game seven and I just listened to that crowd really kind of take the Oakland A's right out of that game. Uh, Mike Moore for the A's did not have his best stuff. Uh, those 92 and 93 teams, you guys know better than me how how talented uh, they were, and they kind of wiped the floor with us. Um, but we were defeated uh, kind of right from the start because of the intensity of, you know, 55,000 people on top of you. Ron, I want to get your thoughts on Jordan Romano, the closer for the Blue Jays. He lo- he loves his slider. Now, he can throw 100 miles an hour, but he loves that slider. If you had any advice to give him before the series started, what would it be? Ah, that's an interesting question. I, I think that sometimes, and this, this is uh, antithetical to, to what most people believe, um, a lot of times pitchers, don't know how good their stuff is. Yeah. And I think what, what has happened in this game is that you are told by information people, uh, the people that are in the clubhouses, that a hitters hit 116 off your slider. Well, if you hear that enough, what are you going to throw when you're in trouble, right? It's mm-hmm. just going to be etched in your brain. But I think, um, it, it, you know, I would never uh, pretend to give uh, Jordan any advice because he's had such an amazing year. Um, but don't forget that fastball because uh, it is uh, such a good pitch, such a good weapon. And remember, um, there is so, there's a book on everybody once you get to the postseason. And I think for um, many hitters in key situations, they'll try to sit on that slider. Now, listen, if he throws a good one, it doesn't matter. They're not going to hit it anyway. Uh, But they will tend to, because of all the information, maybe occasionally sit on one and might get lucky. Um, So don't forget um, that outstanding fastball. We, uh, in some ways, we're we're going through the same thing in Toronto that, that, they're going through with the New York Mets when it comes to the starting rotation. The debate here, the talking point here is when do you pitch Kevin Gossman? Do you use him in game two of the series of the wild card series, or do you save him and have him available for game three? If it's an elimination game or, you know, if you advance now you got Kevin Gossman ready for the next, for for two to make two starts in the next round. Same thing with the Mets, right? A lot of this talk about DeGrom, whether or not DeGrom is, is going to be used in the second game. How would you play this if you were a manager, Ron? And does it simply come down to what happens in game one? Is that, is that it? And we go from there. Yeah, I think we don't have to make it too complicated. It's, it's really what happens in game one. Also, the reason that 
none of us know who's going to pitch two, game two or game three is because no one wants to tip the hand to the other ball club to give them a 24-hour start to try to figure out what they're going to do and this and that. So, um, listen, uh, it's a lot of gamesmanship. It really means nothing when, when push comes to shove. Um, I, I'm from the school of, um, you know, hoping to save someone for the next series before you've won the first series, uh, to me, seems uh, a, a, shows a lot of hubris uh, to me. Um, because then not only, not only does it put you in a strange situation if you lose game two after winning game one, but it does increase uh, the pressure. Uh, on whoever that game three um, pitcher is. Now, most of the time, you're saving that game three pitcher because you know the pressure is not going to affect them. Everyone's affected. Everyone's human. And to put that kind of, uh, you know, for, for Kevin, it would be the the, uh, the weight of a country on mm-hmm. his shoulders. Yeah. And for DeGrom, uh, the weight of New York. I don't know which one's tougher. So uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah, we do. Too. You do. You do. Uh, so so I, I, I think that, um, I would evaluate not only how my team won the first game, where we're at, who they have pitching for the opposition in game two, and whether I want to go for the jugular. I think it's a it's not an easy decision, um, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see how these teams uh, play it because you know with so much information and so many clubs with so many information people uh, on their in their clubhouses in their front offices. Sometimes you can double think this, right, guys? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can yeah. make it so complicated that you lose, you know, the, the the very simple fact. If you pitch your best pitcher in game two after winning game one, that gives you the best opportunity to get to the next round. It also gives you a day and a half or so of rest for whoever you're going to use. And um, I don't know, like I, I just – the wild card round, I think, is so important for most organizations to, to play 162 games and not get through that a wild card round. To me, seems like a lost season. Ron, who is this team with the Mets after they were swept by the Braves? Who is this team? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think uh, the the immediate aftermath. I think uh, they are slightly broken uh, because you never expect. You know, really, they had to win one game. Because so if they won one game, then they would have had the advantage. You know, they would have won the series ten to nine. That's all they had to do is win one out of three. And when that doesn't happen, I think you for twenty four hours you question. You know, how, how could that happen? We're a good team. You know, those things are not supposed to happen. But um, you know, this is not a scenario in my estimation. It's not a scenario where the Mets coughed it up. You have an Atlanta Braves team who won the World Series last year, reigning world champion, that played 45 games over 500 for the last 110 games. They just ran them down. There was nothing really that you can say about that. Just Atlanta did it. They played their best baseball, and sometimes you have to tip your cap. Now, where do I think the Mets are now? I think they're fully recovered. I think they're feeling good about themselves. And they're still in the same scenario, and that is that they have Scherzer and DeGrom, no one else has that combination of experience and, and sustained excellence. And if those guys perform at the level that they've performed their entire career, the Mets are extremely relevant in this postseason. If they don't, then they won't be. It's as simple as that. Ron, really good of you to join Thanks. us today. Thanks so much. Terrific yeah. insight. It's great stuff. Thank you, Ron. Uh, th- Thanks, guys. My dad uh, spent most of his uh, early years in Canada. 
I'm married to a girl from Calgary, so go Toronto. Awesome. There you go. Thanks, Ron. Be well. <laughs> All right, bye. See you Take later. Care. It's Ron Darling, MLB uh, analyst on TBS, former Mets pitcher. <clears throat> Had a brief spell with the uh, Expos yeah, that's great as well stuff. when I was there. It's interesting how he talked about Manoa. and and Because I, I would think it would be movement. But then he said it's the break on the slider, which I guess is sort of the same kind of thing. But the movement and the velocity, because he is not a max effort guy now, early in games. You could tell he, he relies more on movement than just here it is. Rah, I'm so big. I have the invisible heater. I'm going to throw it by you. Now it's more about I want to go longer in a game. I'm going to rely more on movement. It's interesting he mentioned the breaking ball or that slider, the back door to lefties. Let's be honest. Scott Service is going to throw a ton of lefties against Manoa. He's going to. How is he going to attack that early and then ahead in the count, right? It's it's can you get ahead back door? Can you throw the two-seamer, which he loves, for hee-haw, that's strike one, and now what? With two strikes, how do you get them out? How do you be efficient enough? And the quality of that two-strike pitch, what is it? And how good can he be with it to get him deeper? That's interesting. I like what he said about that. That's kind of cool because he's been there done it before. Yeah, and I also like the fact that, you know, the routine. I'm just trying to picture making three starts in a 10-day span in the playoffs. Now, granted, guy, <clears throat> guys were different back then. You know, 200 innings, 200 innings was expected mm -hmm. of you back then. So it was kind of that bridge period. We're not all the way back to Fergie Jenkins where dudes are throwing 27 complete games a year. But – there were still expectations. Innings were still important. And this whole idea about not facing an order the third time through, managers would money slap you in the face. Too. Money, yeah, money yeah, yeah. was different too. Absolutely. But yeah, it is. I, I've, you know, I think the two, two of the most, I'm thinking back to post seasons I've covered and it's remarkable how many times the things that stand out are when pitchers are used differently. I think of think of the Boston Red Sox against the Cleveland, then the Cleveland Indians that one year. They had Pedro Martinez pitch a game out of the bullpen. Pedro could barely lift his arm. Mm -hmm. His shoulder was sore. So he basically threw sidearm the whole game. You think of the way the, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks used Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson. You think of Nate Uvalde, right, doing the, the thing. The, the Dodgers have done that with guys. They've taken guys out of the bullpen and important yeah. points and, and – or, you know, they've, they've had starters come in. I mean, if you get to the game game five of a series or game seven of a series, really all bets are off. I got to ask you this. Just as this is purely hypothetical. Mm -hmm. Manoa, Gosman, Stripling. If you have to get cute, let's say you're, going, you're in the World Series. Would you be comfortable getting cute with either of those three, bringing a guy out of the bullpen in the seventh inning of a game or something like that, bringing one of your starters out because it's just guys have been hurt or things are getting run down. Is there anybody you can see doing a Yavaldi in this team, you know, or, or or being that starter that you might be able to run out of the pen? See, I think it's Manoa still, don't you? I would think all of them would do it if you went and asked them to do it. Who would you be comfortable doing it with? Or who would who would be the first guy you'd go to? Stripling, because he's done okay. it before. Manoa means a lot to me future-wise. Gosman, I mean, you're, 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 I would think two pitches could probably use the slider, but where's that velocity at? If it's 92, 93, which we've seen a lot 
Yeah. Or is it the 96-97, which we haven't seen a lot lately? That would be a thing. I think the Ross Stripling, I just think the kitchen sink, he's got confidence in all the kitchen sink. The changeup is a weapon, and he doesn't – I'm not looking at velocity with him coming out of the pen. I'm looking at location. I'm looking at being unpredictable. I'm looking at the changeup being a weapon to both sides of the plate. So I would say strip out of that. And I just think, Mano, you got to be careful. I mean, I I know you'd want to. Oh, man, you got to be careful. I mean, he is in uncharted waters. Yeah, I don't – yeah, and you know, of course, if you did ask him, you know Absolutely. what the answer That's, would be. Let, me go, get that, my, that let gets, me go get my spikes. That gets back to that grown-up in the room. Huh? Yeah. Let me get let me go get my spikes. Um not that he wouldn't. It's that would you let him? Me, I wouldn't. I would think you'd have better other options that would because he he probably would have played a, a huge role al- already in that series, if you're even asking one of those three dudes to do it. So a reminder that this segment of Blair and Barker is brought to you by Bet365. With Bet365, you can bet on things like player props, totals, or game outcomes across many different sports, 19-plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So, Kevin, we will go out to the uh, Jays' workout today, the Jays and Mariners' workout at the Rogers Centre. Uh, we've talked about the things we need to need to find first question. out. What's your first question? Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Santiago Espinal. How many it. does either do either of them make the roster? Well, no, I, you, does you one of them make the roster? Shouldn't even say that. Are they healthy? How he- healthy are they? Because he's not going to tell you. Are they healthy enough to play? Absolutely. Just the roster thing. He's not going to tell you because yeah. he'll give you the answer that he should give you. I'll tell you tomorrow. And then, the, the, but the health thing because you'll be able to see him or one of those or both doing something physical. So. That would be the first thing you'd have to ask. Do you need one more than the other? Like, I, I, I thought about this. That's a great question. You know, Espinal gives you coverage defensively. No question. Uh, Rather but, have him than Moreno playing third or short or but second. L- or, but Lourdes? He's a threat. He, get, he gives Scott Service something to think about. Which is, you know, they really don't. Their bench is not. It, their bench is strong when it comes to situations. I need a defender. I throw him in. I need a base runner. I throw him in. A hitter. Your hitters are already in the lineup. But he boys standing over there. If I'm Scott Service, I'm going. Now I obviously got my dudes, and yeah. my dudes are my dudes, no matter who that guy. It doesn't matter. But who's there, there's in. other guys. Yeah. That are oh, are they your dude? That he would fit nicely, just giving him another thought. And the question would be, even if he's so-so, do you put him on? Is Zimmer that big of a deal that you got to have him, no matter what? Or if, if Guriel can just sit over there holding the bat in his hand with his batting gloves on, acting like he can actually play and not with a, with a sweatshirt on and a, whatever else he's wearing, do you do that? Do you play a little cat is it, and mouse? Is it is it okay if all he can do is hit? No question. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Get it down and get it singing, Jeff. That is it for us today. Again, game one of the AL wildcard series goes tomorrow, 407 at the Rogers Center. We'll be back from uh, 10 to noon Eastern tomorrow on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet 360. Again, a 90-minute Blue Jays post-game show on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and along the network immediately. 
following the game. So for all of us here at Blair and Barker, thanks for joining us. Enjoy the day off because it gets really intense. It gets really serious starting tomorrow. Have a great day.